it's time to get cozy and watch a Christmas movie. Cuddle up with a cutie and watch a Christmas movie. It's a podcast in a queer tree. Hello and welcome back to a podcast in a queer tree, a podcast where it's December 23rd. How on earth did that happen? My name is Nicole. Wow. Is that really the date? <laughs> That's really the date. It's December oh, 23rd. Isn't that wild? It, yes, it is. Actually. <sighs> Here we are. Wow. Um, an apropos uh, movie for December 23rd, Unlocking Christmas, a 2020 Hallmark film. Here is a synopsis. When a mysterious key and holiday riddle land on their doorsteps, Kate and Kevin embark on a Christmas adventure they'll never forget. Based on the book by New York Times bestselling author Fern Michaels. Oh, okay. Doesn't that make sense? Yes, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't read Fern Michaels and like no shade to people who enjoy a lighthearted no not at all romantic novel obviously um but i'm familiar with fern michaels through library work and Mm -hmm. amazingly popular author um i think very like not like it's the exact book equivalent of this movie it's like enjoyable it's light it's a beach read you know it flies totally yeah yeah i feel like i would enjoy the book in the same way that i enjoy the movies yeah you know yeah and the fact that it is based on like like if you had said a name like that jody pico or or whoever yeah you just know that it's going to be a certain kind of story with a certain tone yeah so it, it just learning that kind of explains a lot about this movie i think <laughs> yeah for sure not in a bad way at all just no no but it's just context yeah did you get a bingo I did, as a matter of fact. I got a vertical bingo right through the middle. Amazing. Tell me about it. Uh, Hang on a sec, because I find my page. Um, Yeah, actually, I I was able to check off a lot of squares, as it turned out, on this card. But the ones that got me the bingo were a big deadline. Yep. uh, The tightest of 90s. (laughs) Yes. Very. Extremely. Yeah. In, In... in so far as it's like 84 minutes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, free space, of course. Yep. Uh, person of color. And, um, or supporting person person of color. Yeah. And uh, seasonal festival. Uh, yes. Then the seasonal festival, they go to the same seasonal festival. Yeah, it's just all, it's just open. Like, it's like, like an every... open air market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christmas market. <laughs> that they yeah. have wisely erected for <laughs> these goons that wander around the town. Um, I'm very pleased to report that I have two lines. Nice. And I was one milf or dilf away from having a third line. Wow. I know. I couldn't scrape up a milf or dilf in this movie. Um, if you can remember one, I would happily give myself the square but well, I could wife, not obviously. make that happen for myself. Jackson, Jackson's Jackson, wife. Jackson or his wife. Who's Jackson? 
the best friend, the photographer friend. Oh, the best friend. Oh, fuck. Of course. Because she's pregnant. That's their whole Mm -hmm. shtick is that they're going to have a baby. That's what they're all about. Yeah. How do I put a crib together? (laughs) (laughs) And he's also a photographer, which got me another square. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm happy to report that I have a record three lines. Nice. Um, and here are some highlights. Uh, blatant product placement. I don't remember what that's for, but I oh, I do. <laughs> I marked down blatant product placement for the Air Force. <laughs> every line out of this guy's mouth is like it's about the fucking air force it is mentioned a lot (laughs) and just the u.s military in general oh my god i have a note about va or yeah i have have a note specifically about uh the product place the the point where i made the product placement call um in the movie Mm -hmm. um a grand gesture of course oh yes um flirting with sports yeah i have that square but i couldn't remember i feel like it probably happens but i couldn't remember where they do the reindeer race it's like a sack race oh yeah right christ yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh off on the wrong foot yeah the other th- those were those are the most notable ones yeah um so uh, our main characters are dr kate stafford who is an orthopedic surgeon and kevin last name irrelevant who is as we will repeatedly learn ex air force yes. he's in, he was in the air force and not just air force he's like some kind of spec ops branch of the air force yeah i don't i don't know yeah it, yeah um, so mm-hmm. i have a, a small bit of trivia for you uh well i guess uh Two, two small bits what i know i'm just so excited because i feel like we have the same trivia but i can't wait oh, to hear maybe we do maybe i can't do. wait to hear what you're about to say tell me tell me um okay so uh what's her character's name again kate kate, kate is played by taylor cole who is a hallmark mainstay she's in so much stuff on on hallmark oh um, okay including a series a mystery series called uh ruby herring which I believe is also based on a series of books. Um, but Ruby Herring, Red Herring, get it? Like we have Red Herring. Yeah. Okay. Um, she is also, I, I only learned this today, she is the stepdaughter of Sean Christian, who is a soap opera veteran who I watched back in the same soap that Ashley Williams was on. Oh. He was on that show and he's been in a bunch of stuff since. In fact, he and Taylor Cole his stepdaughter were on a CW series called Summerland back in the, I want to say late nineties. Okay. Um, and since then he has appeared on her Ruby Herring show, maybe even as her dad, I'm not sure. Oh, funny. I just thought that was so cute. And he's, he actually, I'm pretty sure he's been in several Hallmark movies himself as a, as, as like a dad character or even as a younger, like when he was younger as a leading man. It's funny and like kind of charming how intertwined soap opera and Hallmark movie worlds are, hey? There's a lot of overlap. And yeah, and that's really where they 
when like Lifetime really kind of pioneered this on their cable channel in the, I want to say late 80s, early 90s, they and Hallmark both started making these movies and they would pluck people from soap operas because they kind of had an already built in audience and there's mm. a lot of crossover demographics wise. Sure. Um, and they worked relatively cheap and they got a, you know, for purposes of their SAG card, they got like a movie credit and all this stuff. So it was kind of like a win-win all around. For sure. Um, and now it's just this crazy big industry, right? Obviously that podcasts like ours can spring up around. Yeah, totally. Like I mean, we're... birds on the back of a hippo going. <laughs> we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's a fun trivia. That was but... not my trivia. What's your other one? The other one is about the other star, Steve Lund, who is from around here, right? Or he I, played, I don't know if he's from here or if he just played here. He's from Halifax and he played on the Mooseheads. Yeah, he played on the Mooseheads. Yep. Um, and the person who actually, uh, I'm just going to give her a shout out here, uh, Rochelle Gauguin, uh, aka Rachel Reed, um, who is an author, a local author of gay hockey novels that are sold through an imprint of harlequin i believe you, you can get them on amazon God. um we'll, we'll put a link into her author page and stuff but anyway she's the one who we had hoped to get her on the show as a guest we couldn't make it work out schedule wise unfortunately um but when we asked her like what movie would you want to do this is what she picked because because of a, steve lund <laughs> because of steve lund because she's also a big hockey fan and i she probably knows him a little bit um oh. he he lives uh, and works out west now um in bc um so yeah i don't know how how often he gets back here but uh anyway it's wow uh, that's there's a bit of a local connection in this one that's great trivia scott scott's trivia corner everyone um <laughs> if i may i would just like to add on to uh, Scott's trivia corner with Nicole's trivia corner, please do. Which is that uh, Kevin, played by Steve Lund, of course, also plays Jake on Schitt's Creek. He's like the bi, open-minded guy who dates Stevie and um, David at the same time. Oh, right. And he's like obviously really into group sex, has no shame, like just that's great. Like, super chill highly sexual puppy dog <laughs> vibes. You know, honestly i'm not just saying this because i love schitt's creek and or because he's a local boy but i, I really enjoyed this guy's work in this movie yeah um, sure like the there was good chemistry between him and taylor cole the only thing that i've kind of found hard to shake in much the same way you did i think the constant mention of the air force oh my I'm, god i'm like if this guy is like straight out of the air force why is his hair so fucking long what is <laughs> what is up with this he because he has hockey hair yeah he does have hockey hair i mean i was if i'd had the four if i'd had the time which truly truthfully i did not i would have paused this movie after maybe the sixth time in the first half hour that he mentions having been in the air force and like proposed a house game of bingo 
where mm. like every or like a game of something where every time game. yeah like every time he mentions in the air force we have to eat a christmas chocolate or something mm. you know because it like we would have been sugar high in 20 minutes it's just a constant barrage of like when i was in the air force yeah. oh in the air force i learned that in the air it's like okay <laughs> we're wait were you in the air force wait which branch of the military were you in again yeah exactly <laughs> Oh, I love um, how even though he's a veteran and like the town hero and all this stuff, his parents are still like, when are you going to get a job? Yeah. <laughs> you've been I, home for you've been home for a couple days. Tick tock, son. Yeah, what? you've been home for a couple days at Christmas. When are you going to get a job? It's like, OK, mom, relax. Uh, that mother. Oh, my God. I got to mark her down. I got I got overbearing relative on mine. Yeah, mine too. No yep. shit. She yeah, yeah, is, big time. She is a piece of work, and I and I know that actor too from uh, from a bunch of other like Canadian comedy stuff. Very much her brand. It's a lot. Um, okay, so this movie opens in the hospital where we meet Kate, Doctor Stafford. She has a fellowship in the Cedar Park that counts as a seasonal small town name uh, in yeah, case I took anyone yeah. yeah i did too absolutely yeah. um she has a fellowship in the orthopedic wing of the cedar park hospital she's only there for a year um at dinner we meet ad hardware store dad hardware store oh we maybe <laughs> i maybe missed a scene Oh, okay. new house. We're not at the hospital. Wow. I no, she's unpacking. My... It, it opens she's with unpacking. her unpacking at the house that she's rented, which is with right. With Maggie, who is the realtor. Mom. Right. It doesn't Maggie, I think I've got this mixed up in my head. Does Maggie yeah. also do does Kevin's family also live like basically right next door to this house? Or am oh, I, I didn't. That? I didn't pick up on that. It seems like they're it's... over there all the time, like decorating <laughs> the tree and stuff. So I think that was just my brain filling that in as a detail that isn't actually true. Right. Um, but yes, we, we open with her kind of unpacking or like looking around this house that she's rented. That yeah. Maggie found and it's fully for furnished. Yeah. She needed a furnished house. Yeah. Um, because she's not going to be staying for very long. Her fellowship is only a year. So yeah, um, Maggie, who is the, the realtor. She drops in, yep. my note here is that she drops in with a cup of exposition. <laughs> and then she has to run because her son arrives in a cab. I think they must live close by because Kevin pulls up in a cab, like right outside the house that she's rented, right? I don't remember. I mean, I think it's a pretty small town. I think yeah. that's believable. I didn't write it down, but I completely believe you. I think that's a thing. Um so yes, Kevin has just gotten back to town. Dad runs a hardware store. Yes. Um, the next scene is the hospital. Yeah, she's she's getting introduced to her ortho rotation. Yes, and we meet Liz, who is also in Schitt's Creek. Is she? Who is she? She is only in one episode. I think the very in the very last season, she plays Ruth the um venture capital like associate that they oh, do okay. the pitch to about the motel chain oh cool cool yeah um so liz is a nurse in the orthopedic unit 
and works with Kate like all the time. Liz she loves. Nurse? She's a nurse. Yep. Oh, I thought she was like a third year resident. I wrote down nurse, but yeah, she, I don't know. It doesn't matter be... anyway because they we never really get into any medical stuff except for that one hypochondriac guy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there is for all the scenes in the hospital, there are very few. There's very little. Medical and of course, Kevin, of Kevin himself has to come in and get examined. Good God. Um, um, Liz loves Christmas. She's a medical professional, but largely her identity in this movie is around being Kate's friend and yeah. loving Christmas and organizing Christmas events. Yeah, she's Kate's supportive friend of color in this yes, one. Yes, exactly. So uh, Kevin's mom, Maggie, who, as we've already stated and we all know, is overbearing, yeah. um, is like kevin your leg hurts i'm sending you to the clinic and kevin is like i'm a grown-ass man and maggie's like cool go to the clinic so he goes to the hospital and has an appointment with kate and they've already bumped into each other and this was an off on the wrong foot moment because he offered to open the door for her while she was juggling like 15 cups of coffee and she was like i don't need your help yeah which is a week excuse for off on the wrong foot but i guess that's what we're doing they uh my note here is that she actually does pretty good coffee work it doesn't seem like oh, yeah. they're all empty although i'm sure they are <laughs> maybe um, they put water in them just to make them maybe, like yeah. have weight <laughs> yeah something um so yeah that's their meat cute at that diner um yeah. And They're then, only, and yeah, Kev, so yeah, Kevin gets to the hospital for that exam and he practically yeah. like snarl, snarls at her because he doesn't want her help. Yeah, he's like, I don't need your help. And she's like, cool, I'm a doctor. And he's like, I don't need your help. This, I, any, I'm just going to take this opportunity to plug one of our past guests, mm -hmm. Dr. Jacqueline Vincent, mm -hmm. who uh on twitter we plugged her twitter account i think when she was our special guest she has started a uh project of her own where she rates reviews and uh talks about christmas movies that take place in hospitals have doctors have oh, medical right. content of some kind right. and i sent this recommendation to her recently um because i feel like there's some like kind of dicey things. Like if you have a patient in your room who's like, I don't want this exam. I don't think that doctors are supposed to be like, too bad. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, bad consent practices yeah. in, well, in a lot of Hallmark movies, frankly. Yeah, of course. This, this being no exception. Um my main note about their kind of because uh, you know they're they're basically following the the hallmark template right they're yeah, of course. abrasive against each other at first yeah then they spent some time together and they're like oh well maybe they're not so bad and then they're actually falling in love blah 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 yeah um didn't you find that and I don't know how much of a choice this is. Didn't you find there was just a certain amount of 
were not even taking this conflict seriously with the actors. And they were just kind of, they were saying their lines, mm. but you did not feel like they hated <laughs> each other one bit. <laughs> or, you know, they were just into each other the entire time. It remind, I felt like I was watching a weird adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, where it's just Beatrice and Benedict, and they're like, we're the cleverest people in town. And <laughs> everyone else is just like, oh, these motherfuckers. <laughs> God, they're so obnoxious. They're insufferable. I wish they would just get together and get it over with. <laughs> this movie could have been over in a tight 20 if that had been the it case. Really, really could have. <laughs> but instead, we've got all these scenes with like all the supportive friends and the parents being like, so what happened with Beatrice last night? Have you told Kate? Have you told Kevin? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene is this scene is where we get to find out what an air force hero Kevin really is. Right. Because she asks him like, why, like, has your, does your leg hurt often? And he tells her that he injured his leg doing a drop from a plane on some search and rescue. Right. Something That's right. Or other. He's, he's, I think he wasn't the, just like some kind of spec ops guy out there doing wet works and assassinating terrorists. He was doing para rescue. They take great pains to say, I think this, I think this is why they keep repeating it to show that he's not some kind of com combatant. Well, and this is what I was about to say is in these movies, I think, I mean, I, I don't certainly, and I assume you don't either go out of my way to watch the heavy handed Hallmark movies that are strictly like brouhaha military. Um, Cause it's just not interesting to me. But I do, I do think that when there is a portrayal of military in these movies, that they do often go out of their way to be like, I was a peacekeeper. Getting clean water to a village is so rewarding. I was doing search and like, it's never, it's never the ones that you see in the news for like really scary oh, no. shit, right? Like it's no. always the good guys. Yeah. because they want to paint this like very specific idea of what the military is and does um and i think this movie <laughs> that's it, probably just as well frankly because i don't think they're equipped to do <laughs> real oh they are the absolutely not a... but but yeah right, to be clear i don't think the, the problem is i don't think a... that hallmark should yeah there's a potential for pandering and and taking something you know, using it in a way that is inappropriate for well, and I I think it's also like it's interesting because like I've never heard or read anyone from Hallmark say this, but I assume that Hallmark movies and like Netflix movies and movies of this ilk try to take a decidedly political neutral stance right like they don't they try not to like get involved in issues and like take like have strong opinions on things that are still controversial like just in 2020 they have their first same-sex couple right like it's 2020 like that's like people still find that controversial but it's like a very mainstream thing to accept now but it's interesting that there's like such a pro-military stance in these movies and that's not seen as as like overtly political because it's seen as like a neutral thing to support the military because of course they do why wouldn't they right like being critical of the military is political but supporting the military is not seen as political 
Um, I don't think that this kind of innocuous military support is particularly political because you're just supporting as, and, and I, I, I think I can see the perspective of from from the perspective of I think the typical hallmark viewer in the US would be these are my friends and neighbors so yes of course I support them I don't appreciate movies like this trying to get emotional capital um, it, it's a bit exploitative um, and it's it's lazy certainly mm. um, I don't really have a particular problem with I mean, apart from just the tin-eared script side of it, I, I wish if if they weren't going to treat that subject matter with a more level of a greater level of seriousness than they do just plunking it in the middle of this goofy movie about a scavenger hunt, then I I wish they wouldn't do that at all. You know, well, for example, the in this movie, the big idea they come up with. To, or one of the big ideas they come up with to, you know, generate the Christmas spirit in themselves or whatever it is the notes tell them to do is to shoot those videos that the troops uh, stationed overseas are going to watch. And that's the USO part of this movie, by the way. That's, yep, that's, I know. That's what the USO would do. Yeah. Was it the present, like, was it the portrayal of the military in general that you're like, why? Yeah, I mean... Or was it his, it, like, job hunt part? The job hunt, I mean, that was dumb in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, it's just another one of those situations where they could have said, you know, he's a hero brain surgeon. And then, and then everyone's like, oh, cool. That's a pretty important job. I don't really need to know the details of how he's a brain surgeon right? or, or who he saved as a brain surgeon or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but when it's a military job, they feel like they have to pepper in all these sexy details about, mm. you know, so I, f I feel like that's where the danger of propaganda comes in. Cause it makes it all seem, you know, you get the, the slaughterhouse five, situation where it's it's making military exercises and you know conflicts and so on of uh, almost appealing somehow mm. if if heroism is the end result right um so you know obviously that's not uh that's not what we want these movies to do yeah i, I don't think yeah sure but I, I think it's easy to confuse that kind of uh let's be supportive and act like our troops are perfect kind of sentiment it, it's easy it's easy to kind of kind of confuse that with um supporting by demanding that their commanders deploy them responsibly for example but i would be knocked on my ass if i ever saw a movie with a storyline about that from Walmart. Right. But, uh, i'm not going to hold my breath there <laughs> um so i have under after his doctor's appointment a quote from mom oh what a coincidence which mom am i remembering I, I think that's the same correct. scene where maggie sees them together and maggie's the mother right yeah 
and she sees them together and they're like both being real irritated with each other with each other and she's like seems like you've met your match each of you seems like each of you has met your match and i'm like oh maggie are we supposed to assume that she sent him to the doctor to set them up oh probably she's a psychopath weird um so the next scene is in the hardware store matthew's hardware family-run hardware store and there's a strong implication that dad i don't know what dad's name is um wants kevin to take over the hardware business so kevin believes anyway yes it's not said explicitly but it's like a very the audience at least i was left and kevin is left with that feeling yeah that's he, they they keep saying stuff about how he's helped out there since he was a teenager and you know what yeah. summers there or whatever until he went off and became a hero in the air force <laughs> well um, was he in the air force so i heard <laughs> um i think it's around this time or maybe slightly before um uh kate is talking to liz and Liz describes Kevin as the tall, handsome guy with good hair. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Liz, come That's on. Interesting. <laughs> you um, know, when I look this guy up on IMDb, it's on IMDb, sometimes under <clears throat> individual actors' profiles, it'll be like known for or trademarks or like whatever. And his was towering height. And like he's tall, like he's six three, which is tall, but sure. tall like, for an actor. I don't know if towering is six three. Like my yeah. my brother had a friend in high school in high school who is six seven. Right. Like that's towering. Yeah. My son He might have even been six nine. My son is six feet tall, and he had a couple of friends in high school who were like six five, six six. That's very tall. But like I feel yeah. I don't know. It's like six three is tall, no doubt, but like towering feels like. No, I don't think so. Maybe for an actor, but I suppose. Um. So it's after this hardware scene that both Kate and Kevin, their doorbells ring respectively at the shop and at home. Right. And they both get mystery keys <clears throat> with a riddle attached to it, and neither of them want to deal with it they're just like what is this silly thing no thank you and then respectively liz and kevin's dad are like what are you talking about you need to do this it's so fun right um i think shortly before that too uh, is when we meet jackson kevin's friend oh yes jackson comes into the store they haven't seen each other in a long time Right. And he's a photographer. He's uh, his wife is pregnant and he is scared, basically, is his his character. That's his whole character is being scared of having a baby. My my note at this point is just that everyone is desperate to get Kevin laid or employed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why does everyone care about this guy so much? Like he's fine, but like why? And also I did a time check just out of curiosity at, at this point. <laughs> Guess how far in we are? Uh, at the keys? Right before the, the keys are dropped off, yeah. Um, 15 minutes? 12 minutes. 
that's not very long. <laughs> We're not even at the 20 minute mark yet. Tight 84. <laughs> um, so they end up, my notes in this movie are quite sparse because like a lot of things happened and every time I took a lot of notes. So. I mean, I'm glad because mine are pretty scattered. Every time uh, Kevin mentioned the Air Force, I got distracted and ranted about how that's all his character consists of is having been in the Air Force. Um, that's all he knows. So they solve, they each solve the riddle. And the answer to the riddle is that they have to meet at a mailbox at 7.30 that evening in Juniper Square. Right. Which is in the, in the, the, the like town Christmas festival. Yeah. I call it the other set. The other set. There's two sets. It's not the, the hardware set the or, the ho- or the house set. It's the other set. It's outside. Exactly. Well, it's on a soundstage. But yeah. did you have any notes about the content of the riddle? Because I did not. Um, no, not really about the content of the riddle. My notes were more uh, kind of high level, just being like, "Oh, no, I guess we're doing a scavenger hunt. Does a doctor <laughs> have time for this?" <laughs> I... Apparently so, because she is pretty much never at the hospital after this. But yeah. And my other note was just, can you guys get off Kevin's back? Jesus. <laughs> Give him a Every break. Scene, once somebody is like, "Hey, have you heard from the VA? Hey, have you called the VA? <laughs> have you talked to Kate? Have you told Kate you like her? Do you have a job yet? It's like, oh Jesus. my god, it's Christmas Eve. We fuck off. <laughs> Honestly." god um so in the square i think they open the mailbox and there is another riddle inside and oh, the mailbox by the way the reason they're both called at the same place at the same time is because yep. the mailbox is like a fucking nuclear bunker <laughs> double key thing yeah where you've got to turn the keys at the same time <laughs> they're so in sync <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's like a weird I don't know if there's like a weird kink for this particular kind of escape room shit where it's like <laughs> It's sort of now, like impossible task. Now you've got to take these em- these yeah. envelopes and you can only do this one after you've done the first one. <laughs> it's like impossible task, but it's possible task. It's just like yeah. elaborate task. Yeah. Elaborate irritating task. <laughs> I mean, if it exists, there's probably a kink about it. Yeah, probably. I'll check that life later. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, so they have to <laughs> recreate a childhood memory, I think, is the, is the next someone, riddle. Yeah. For someone, yeah. Uh, for someone. And they're like, <laughs> I have a note here, you guys banter hard for people who only met 24 hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have a note here that they give up on the riddles. Like they're like, well, it's been nice knowing you. Goodbye. Do that? I don't know. That might at, not have happened. At some point they decide that it would just be easiest to try and recreate her, the whatever memory it is she has. I have a quote here that I'm going to struggle to read out loud because I know that it's on the meta bingo cards. I okay. guess we're just two people who like to do things for themselves that sounds about right (laughs) they don't want each other's help we're just two people who like to do things for themselves there's just so much inane banter between these two every time they meet it's like 
how am I going to get a little one up on you? Yeah. Here's a little one up back on you. <laughs> and everyone around them is like, would you guys just get a fucking room, please? We're trying to lead our lives over here. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. Everyone else in town is like, oh my God, these two beautiful idiots. Would you just. Would you just fuck already and get it over with? Oh my God. I'm just going to leave this door unlocked, okay? And... <laughs> it's empty. I'm going to go have a shower for yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah, there's a really, really lovely hotel room in there. Just use it, please. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, so then we go back to the store. And I don't remember exactly what happens in this scene in the store, but I have a, a moment, maybe the only moment in this movie that made me laugh out loud, which is Jackson is there and somehow ropes Kevin, I think, into doing the next stage of the riddle. And yeah. then at the end of the scene, after it's like sort of all been decided, um, Jackson is off camera and Kevin looks in his direction and is like, Jackson, could I have a word? Yeah. <laughs> his voice is like a full decibel higher and he's like sort of panicked. It was a very funny moment. <laughs> that was very funny. Well, that was, I think that's where I made my note about how this reminds me a lot of Much Ado About Nothing. There's just a lot of weird little comical, there's mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of people doing bits. Oh, yeah. In this movie. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Um, then I have second handle, second riddle. Nailed it. Uh, we <laughs> learn that Kate lost her parents when she was yes. quite young. Yes, she's a And there are several moments where she's looking mournfully uh, and nostalgically at a photo of them. And this is why she's so attached to going to Chicago. Because she has... Uh, some kind of memories of them in Chicago. Right. She just really liked it there and it right. makes her think of her parents. That's why she would like to go there basically. Right. Uh, we also learned that her dad used to bake and there was a, a recipe book that every time she saw, she was very excited because it meant that dad was baking cookies. Mm. And then I think I blacked out for a few minutes because mm -hmm. when I, my next note says, who are these people? What does this have to do with Liz? Their ornament decorating. I'm yes. not. I don't really. Do you? Can That's you explain the scene? Um, remember, um, they have to do. They have to like bring the Christmas spirit to somebody, and yeah, with a this... childhood memory, which is her yeah. ornament decorating with her mom. Right, and then so Kate says hey, Liz does, loves doing Christmas stuff for people and she was trying to come up with an idea for something to do. Why don't we tell her about this? And then that will be her Christmas thing for that day. But so who... They, so, so they tell Liz and Liz, I think, organizes this thing with all the school kids to decorate ornaments as part of Liz's regular schedule of doing shit around the town for Christmas, I guess. So this is just a group of, like, school kids? I think so. These are just, yeah. like, town kids doing yeah, a Christmas activity? So. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Actually, aren't they, like, hospital patients? This is what I'm not sure about. Like, are they, they orphans? Are. I think they're, is like, this... peds patients. It's a charity moment. They're patients. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was the impression I got. I mean, that would explain why 
Kevin has this very uncomfortable bonding moment with the kid with the arm cast where he talks about how because he was in the air force (laughs) i don't know if he knows what it's like to have a to have a limb and a cast yes i don't know if at this point um people were aware that he was in the air force Mm -hmm. um and he had a cast on his leg and he bonds with this child who is like getting frustrated i mean i had a cast an arm and a cast when i was probably this kid's age or maybe a bit younger um and it sucks i can really empathize it's really frustrating and terrible um Mm. so that part is definitely real this kid might have be the best actor in this movie i'm not gonna lie he's good um (laughs) but um (laughs) their bonding session about making this ornament and him writing usaf on his little plane and then making it into an ornament just made me cringe (laughs) it made me cringe if i had testicles they would have retreated into my body because i was cringing so hard you know mine don't do that when i cringe hard (laughs) okay well i've never had them before that's just how i imagine it happening when i cringe really hard (laughs) (laughs) i I hope i'm not i hope something isn't wrong there Um, I, I had an amusing note from earlier about <laughs> when they decide that they're going to call Liz about this. Yep. Kate just like picks up her phone and is immediately talking to Liz. <laughs> she, she just always has, she always has Liz on the phone. She yeah, just like, ran, picks it up and is like, hello, I'm here to talk now. <laughs> yeah. Liz has been on the line the entire time listening. <laughs> it sounds good. Poor Liz. Oh my god. Liz is probably a shift worker. Poor Liz. She she I, can't do things on a dime like this. I have another note in here about Liz saying that I think she's actually in her own Hallmark movie of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? Yeah. Like, that's that I love that. She's just in a different part of hers. Yep. And, she, and she's exactly. like, oh, I gotta help out on this one. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be back. We're catching the background scenes of hers, and in her movie, there'll be background scenes of Kate and Kevin's. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Kate is the supportive white friend in her movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one, one trope that I think we've talked about before, but really is potent in this one, is like the guy is good with kids, and that's a mm. huge turn on for the woman. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? I don't, I mean, no, this is the thing I don't understand. I mean, I understand it from a like heteronormative. I feel like like for this audience, it absolutely would be. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I understand. I understand why it's there and what it's doing, but I do find it as a heterosexual trope baffling. Well, I think it's also meant to be a shorthand for someone who is mature, <laughs> trustworthy, settled, someone who's not going to dick you around. Um, I mean, I think that's what they try to get across, but I can tell I you that men, men who bond with kids are not necessarily any of those things. Oh, well, no. You certainly don't have to be mature to bond with a child. No, that's right. I mean, it, they could also be like Andy from Parks and Rec, right? Exactly. He basically is a big kid. Yeah okay so back to this less funny movie um the next scene is at the veterans employment office 
mm-hmm. where the woman working there tells Kevin that, of course, he's perfect for anything that comes across her desk because sure. yeah. he was in the Air Force. Sure. Um, and that's sort of it. It's just like he is looking for a job. He went to the VA employment. Whatever. Yeah, the VA uh, looks remarkably spick and span and everyone is uh, well rested. And yeah, no one looks like they have PTSD. So yeah, that's... not years behind on their work the way that they actually are. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I wish the VA was as well put together as it is in this movie. Because <laughs> they really need, that's what they really need. Um, after that, he is when he, oh no, he doesn't meet up with Jackson. Jackson calls because he's trying to put together the same crib from the Christmas Prince, apparently. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just like exploded all over. The, uh, the did, he try, did he try Jackson's to put it together to, through instinct? Like those stupid he doesn't, kings remember did? He, remember he talks about how he doesn't even have the manual? I like know. That, that thick manual. From, yeah. <laughs> the phone he doesn't book. even have that. So yeah, fortunately, uh, Kevin grew up in a hardware store, so he can help Jackson with that. Yep, exactly. But, yeah, it was just this ludicrous phone call from Jackson being like, help, I'm trapped under all the pieces of this crib. <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, man. <clears throat> um, and then I think shortly after that, I have Riddle Walk. Yeah, because they meet up, they've decided to meet up again at the end of the day after yeah. going their separate ways. Um, and they're going to, uh, that's when they, they run into like, I think they're just comparing, they mean to just compare notes, but they run into Maggie again. Yes. And she's like, obviously you should be in this potato sack, right? <clears throat> well, and Maggie also invites Kate over for dinner. Yes. That's very important. <clears throat> but yes, they then Maggie's pushes them into doing the reindeer races. Yeah. Which they do. Yeah, which turns out to be important to the clues. Yes. Uh, sort of. Because it um, leads them to the History of Christmas exhibit at the Christmas Museum. But not before Kate falls over on Kevin. Oh! And they, and they just kind of lie there for a while and are cute. And everyone's like, oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> just fuck already can we throw a tarp over these two and just come back and get it in the morning all right everyone clear out give them the room um so they go to the christmas museum and mr McAllister. yes sad museum (laughs) sad local museum do you think after the perspective of our illustrious guest Jordan Roberts in Timeless Christmas, mm-hmm. that the Cedar Parks Christmas Museum has any PhD people there, a talent agency involved, does Mr. McAllister have a co-director? It doesn't seem likely, does it? Seems unlikely. This seems like a more accurate portrayal of a small town museum. Very accurate. It reminds me very much of the small town museum in that used to exist in my hometown small town yeah um complete with the same like sad bastard working at it who probably lives there poor mr McAllister. he's uh, okay we'll get there so mr McAllister, who is is he one of kate's patients at this point 
we, yeah, he's he's the hypochondriac who keeps coming back in, and she's like, looks like someone's learned how to use WebMD. Yeah, but we've already met him. Yeah, he comes yeah, in yeah. pretty early. Yeah. yeah, so he owns the museum, and I was delighted that the museum is just full of miniatures. I yep. love miniatures so much. Um, yeah, including like a an elaborate town model that Kevin's grandfather built. I love that. That he um, used there's... to bring out at Christmas time, I think. And then when he died, they donated it to the museum so that yeah. they could keep visiting it. Exactly. Yeah. There's a beautiful sleigh that uh, Kevin heavy-handedly says he's never, Mr. McAllister's never let him take out. I wonder if that'll come back. Spoiler, Chekhov's it sled. does. Yeah. Chekhov's sled, exactly. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, there's a fashion exhibit, which is where they find their next clue. It's a real so, Dan Brown moment, this codex. Yes, stuff, very much. Very Da Vinci code. Yeah. Um, so then we go, to, <laughs> we go to dinner at Kevin's house because Maggie invited Kate to dinner. Yeah. And Maggie and dad are telling Kate and Kevin their engagement story, which is basically exactly the same as the story of Kate and Kevin in the sense that Maggie was in town for one month for work yeah. and her car broke down and then her uh, Kevin's dad fixed it and they fell in love. I love how I made a note here that they apparently met in their own Hallmark movie. Yes. Because it's very much that kind of plot. It may very well be a literal Hallmark plot for all I know. Yeah. This could be a like Hallmark movie universe seed. Definitely. Um, so then they decide <clears throat> whatever the riddle was with the Horcrux. Um, Codex. Codex. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was not intentional. Uh, I did not write down Horcrux, but I obviously couldn't remember what it was called at the time either because I didn't write down anything. I just keep calling it a puzzle, but <laughs> Codex is a way cooler word. Um, so the thing they have to do, though, I think is like spread Christmas cheer yes. in a different way. So they decide to send a Christmas video overseas. This, this idea, people. by the way, is workshopped in about 60 seconds in the movie. Yes. And then executed in as much time. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a quick, quick whip around the table. And they're like, OK, so good. That's what we're doing. Yep. Jackson, you're going to help us out with cameras. Yep. OK, great. It's yep. all decided. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Who wants eggnog? Yeah, exactly. Seriously. So that, yeah, there's a 60 second video montage. Yeah. Um, the first and... of several in this movie. Montages, there... that is. Oh, yes. There are some good montages. Yep. I love a good yep. montage. They're, they're used to good effect in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's an ugly Christmas sweater party. Nicole, do you think these people have jobs? Um, isn't Kate an orthopedic surgeon? <laughs> you know, I thought she was. I also thought she was. Um, but mostly she appears to be uh, unlocking codices <laughs> and whatnot. I mean, I don't think that Kevin has a job. I think he is just a former Air Force guy who is getting a lot of pressure oh, from his overbearing As you know, mom. he's looking for work. <laughs> yeah, that's the main Otherwise, thing. Otherwise, he's going to have to take over the hardware store. He has no choice, Nicole. Exactly. That's just how it works. Exactly. 
Um, um, so yeah, they they go back to the the other set, <laughs> the house. No, no, the fair, the street fair thing. Oh, okay. Um, that's where they meet Jackson and his pregnant wife. I think that's the first time maybe we see his wife in person. Okay. And they're and they're like, oh, you got to come to our ugly Christmas sweater party. We're a tight knit group, says Kevin. Okay. Groan. Oh, because knitting? Yeah. Oh, I didn't Sweater. even pick up knitting. on that. Yeah, see, that's how bad that joke is. <laughs> um, and so they're in this little scene, and then the mayor or somebody gets up on stage to do a tree lighting. Oh. And they're like, let's get our local hero up here to light the tree. And Kevin's like, oh, shucks, I guess that's me. Was in the Air Force. I don't know if I mentioned it. <laughs> and he goes up, goes up to light the tree. Yep. And somehow that sparks a thing in Kate's head where she's like, what if we tried balsam in the codex? Right. Because she's another... like, we, we used to get a balsam fir tree every year when I was. Scott, another element of a romantic Christmas comedy with like highly specific tree details. Yeah. Someone this is the third one. Trees. They might be invested in tree lots. They must be. So there was the 12th. The 12th and they're like, of- look, we've got too much balsam. We need to push the balsam. Can we can we get a mention in a movie coming up? The 12th like- date of Christmas, unlocking Christmas. And what was the one where it was like the first one that we talked about? Oh, well, oh. Um, Double Christmas has. Double Christmas, that's right, because he was a tree expert. Yeah. Um, Jackson but that doesn't his- work, I don't think. Right? Balsam is not the code, right? No, it's not. Jackson and his partner are only baby crazy and nothing else. That's all I wrote down. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I can understand that. That's all they're thinking about. Because it's, when is she due? They don't have the baby in this movie, I don't think. No. No. We don't really learn much about them, except that they're having a baby. Yeah. But he's um, putting a nursery together, so it must be soonish. Well, but they're also baby-proofing the house, which... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they're a little ahead of themselves. Is like not necessary for several years. Yeah. Um, I also have a note. They talk on the porch forever. So I think that yes. Kevin and Kate have a bonding moment on the porch, and I didn't pay attention to it because it was boring me. So she invites him to come decorate her tree. So there's a little mm. kind of thawing of the relationship there. Yep. Um, at the same time, I, I think she must be talking to him about this. She's talking to somebody about how she's not really feeling sure about like if she I think she's already gotten like some positive words back from her supervisor doctor at work Mm, and not yet they're like making noises about how well maybe you'd like to stay here I thought that I wrote down that scene with her the like head of the department at the hospital but I guess I didn't I just ranted to my pal about it so like there is this scene that you're right. It does come much earlier. I thought we hadn't hit it yet, but I just didn't write it down. But well, I think the, there might be more the, than one scene where the supervisor is like, man, we really love your work. You sure you don't want to stay or, you know. So the scene that I'm thinking of is he's like, we've gotten great feedback uh, from your coworkers about your positive attitude. And we're wondering <laughs> if you'd like to stay here. <laughs> and like, I don't. Like, first of all, I would just like, yeah, that's what would happen. I would, I would just like everyone to envision, like, first of all, a male doctor 
in this scene being told that he's doing a great job because of his positive attitude and how Mm. ludicrous that feels Mm. and also imagine yourself as a patient of an orthopedic surgeon is the reason you want your orthopedic surgeon to receive accolades because of their positive attitude I don't give a shit if the person performing surgery on me has a positive fucking attitude. I want to know they have a steady hand and know which bone is connected to the other bone. I don't give a shit what their outlook is on life. I don't know how much medical drama you watch, but very little. You've actually hit on a very common theme, which is the the juxtaposition of the kind of godlike surgeon and all that matters is he or she is capable of executing that operation perfectly. Mm. And it doesn't matter if they're a complete fucking asshole in every other aspect of their life. Like uh, Dr. Strange, basically the, the Marvel mm. character. Um, so there's, there's that, or there's the nurturing, kindly, great bedside manner. You know, they're always in opposition to each other on these shows. Right. Mm. Um, but yes, that's a gross scene where the do- her supervisor is basically like, we value you because of your, you're so nice to the patients, the you're way so, a female doctor should be. Exactly. You're so unthreatening. We'd love to have you here. And I'm like, is this how Liz got stuck organizing parties instead of being a medical professional? Indeed. Indeed. God. Um, so the, the next scene is at the hospital with Mr. McAllister and I just want to take a quick minute to talk about this scene because it's fucking heartbreaking he talks about how his wife died and he doesn't like Christmas because there's no point in celebrating without her and this is the second movie at least in close order so it's on my mind because we like just talked about um fuck what is it the one with the neighbor and she loves christmas um yeah fuck what was that one hold on i've got the schedule in front of me 12th date of christmas yeah yeah so when we 12th date of christmas the lead character has a neighbor and she thinks that he's like a real grump because he never says hi to her but it turns out that he takes his hearing aid out at night um so he's like shoveling the walk and just can't hear her because his wife died and he quote has no one to talk to so what's the point and I'm like, this is like, like, I think Tanisi was our guest for that episode. And I think she like pointed this out. And I would say that it carries forward of like, you know, these like older people in these movies are saying these things, these like very sad, like sort of red flag things, right? Like, I think like mental health in old people isn't something that gets talked about a lot, but like, if I heard someone say this to me, I would be like, are you okay? Mm. Like, that's a pretty intense thing to admit, especially to a doctor. I feel like a doctor should be like, what supports do you have? This is another thing, much like the, the military service, where I feel like they're not doing justice. You know, they're, they're trivializing genuine pain that, is commonly experienced by older people for sure and and turning it into this kind of plot point to make her look you know great basically well yeah because she does this like investigation into his like psychosomatic symptoms yeah and like cracks the case but she isn't like 
you know, I guess she does kind of help him in the end, but like, I feel like at this point, if a doctor heard, like, I don't feel like there's no point in me, like, celebrating something I used to enjoy because my wife is dead, like, that is a description of depression. Like, a doctor should, like, investigate that, right? She could refer him to psych. Probably should. He yeah. obviously, like, needs something. Anyway, it's just like, yeah, it was like a really weird like throwaway line that, and that is now a trend that I've noticed of like old people saying really intense kind of alarming sad things and no one helping them. I don't know how many old people you talk to, but <laughs> yeah, they absolutely will do that. I mean, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't talk to old people that often. All my grandparents have passed away, so. Mm. Um at the store, Jackson thinks Kevin should go for it with Kate, obviously. Sure. Oh, the next scene is the sweater party uh, where Kate and Kevin, what happened, Scott? They're standing under some fucking mistletoe. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. <clears throat> mistletoe. Uh, they, they do that right after they figure out the codex. Yes. And, and she, they do, she's, not, they do she's not wearing a cardigan, by the way. Oh, is she? I didn't even notice. <laughs> not even a it's not even a sweater. sweater. Really fucked that up. Um, so they don't kiss, obviously, because it's no. not the end of the movie yet. Well, and he the gets puzzle... a call from the VA and has to has to leave. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin. So they each get a phone. Do they each get a phone call at this point? He gets his first, I think, and takes off to yes. take the call. And the the call like this. This is all ridiculous too. Like the VA is not interviewing you one day and coming up with the perfect job for you the next day at Christmas like yeah silly so but he also no one has phone calls in this in these movies everyone's facetiming yeah that's true like I I just had a phone call the other day about a job interview and I did not facetime this person who like may or may not be my boss I phoned no, her I, I can't imagine facetiming anyone who I don't know fairly well it's very weird. Um, the puzzle tells them to donate to the toy drive. Right. Uh, so yes, this job that Kevin has an interview with, or is might have an interview with, or whatever, this potential job is with disaster relief, quote, just like my time in the Air Force. Right. He was in the Air Force. Um, just in oh, case. Oh, was he? He was in the Air Force. Yeah, oh, that's, that's why. Where... Oh, okay, that's right. <clears throat> that's how. The... That's how he hurt his leg. Right. Okay. Um. So they go to the toy drive and put a toy in the sleigh, and they find their next clue. It's a good thing that their names are on it because otherwise, mm. it looks like they're stealing from the toy drive, which is a very <laughs> different movie. <laughs> Again, um, everyone in the town is just like, "Are they stealing toys?" Yes. <laughs> What the fuck is up with these people? <laughs> Everyone exactly. else is like, I don't know. I've I've been working sixteen hours today. These two are I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, got a scavenger hunt. <laughs> God, the things white people will do just to get laid. Oh my God, honestly, God, just pr proposition each other. Um, so we go to the museum. Kate goes to the museum to talk to Mr. McAllister and she walks in and he's just staring sadly at photos of his wife. Yeah. Like this guy is not okay. Yeah, How many he's tying a noose 
in his lap. Like, how many red flags does this fucking medical doctor need to help this man? So she's like, you, your body hurts because you miss your wife. Which I think prescribe you some Ambien. Yeah, I'm like prescribing some fucking antidepressants. But I think to her credit in this scene, she's not like your pains aren't real. It's psychosomatic. She's like, you are experiencing. No, she's explaining where they come from. She's like, you're experiencing these symptoms because you're experiencing grief. And that's, you know, she's like affirming about it, which I thought was an important, where it's like a positive thing that happened. And it works because the next day he's turned a corner, it seems. Like, yes, he's upset in, he's upset in the moment though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, the next day he is feeling better. He like goes for there's a montage. Yes, um, that's right. There's of one. at first it's a montage of Mr. McAllister being sad, like walking around the town being sad, and yeah. Kate dec- hosting the tree decorating. Um, and Kevin weighing his options. Yes. Um, so they've both been offered jobs, but then. Yeah. They, so they're both offered jobs. Kate is offered a job in Chicago at whatever hospital. They're both offered jobs at exactly the same time. Northern Springs, whatever yeah, they're in Chicago. Their name it is. Sorry, we are they both in Chicago? Oh my god! No, no, no. Her her job. Sorry, we had a there was a freeze there. So oh. I think you're you're catching up to what I said, which is just that. There's this goofy scene at the tree decorating party where they are both on calls. FaceTime. About, about new jobs on like the 23rd of December. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who and they're is... like looking at each other. <laughs> yeah. Who is doing this, honestly? Yeah, there's th- That's one thing that kind of irritated me about the script was how many things just depend on someone glancing the wrong way or like overhearing just five seconds of the wrong thing exactly and so that's exactly what happens in this scene is that uh kate oh no we're not there yet um mr McAllister gives kate some thank you candy canes and i wrote down mr McAllister did not write that note did you clock the handwriting on the note oh yeah yeah (laughs) some poor props intern yeah, some calligrapher and props got to do that. So yeah, then Kevin has a video call with Jackson, who's showing off the nursery. So Kevin is basically like, well, why wouldn't you, or uh, Jackson is basically like, well, I guess, why wouldn't you take this job? It sounds like a dream job, blah, blah. And my note is, oh my God, men have conversations with each other once in a while. So you're not expected to take over the family business. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because this is the scene where he talks with his dad finally. And his dad's like, oh, well, you should take that job, I guess. It sounds ideal. And Kevin's like, well, I thought you wanted me to take over the hardware store. And his dad's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, his dad's like, why would you think that? And Kevin's like, I guess I just assumed. And he's like, Like, well, I guess you really made an asshole out of both of us, didn't you? Yeah, he's like, (laughs) you think I want to see this business driven into the ground in six months? (laughs) Oh, good I'm selling point. it to your friend Jackson. He's really smart. <laughs> now he knows how to put a crib together. So, yeah. um, and then sort of, I think probably concurrently in the world of the movie and the next scene in our uh, 
viewing of the movie is at the diner with Liz and Kate. And Liz is, but Liz is basically telling Kate to take the job offer because it's your dream job. It's her dream job. This is the part where we start to get. Tell Kevin. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Well, this is the part where we get this weird cascade of, again, almost Shakespeare-like mistimings and misunderstandings Mm. because Kevin has told Jackson something about the job that he's been offered. Yeah. Jackson has told his wife off camera. Yeah. His, his wife shows up at the cafe almost immediately afterward and is like, Oh, Hey Kate, I hear Jackson's or no, I hear Kevin has got a job offer out in California. And Kate's like, oh, that's wonderful for him. (laughs) (laughs) And and then she's like, I guess I'll take that job offer in Chicago. (laughs) Which I think Carolyn Carolyn must hear, like it gets back, that gets back around to someone else. So basically in true like Shakespearean farce fashion, everyone thinks the wrong thing. Yeah at the end of that scene it's like purple monkey dishwasher yeah um so in fact the next scene is kate going to the store yeah presumably presumably, very wisely says you can you fucking idiots go talk to each other can you just like get in the same room and have a conversation compare notes about where you are actually going yeah so presumably Kate is going to do just that, but instead she of talking to him, she walks into the store, overhears the first part of Kevin's conversation where he's like, I'm so excited that you offered me this job. And then she leaves. Yeah. And as soon as she leaves, Kevin says, but I can't accept it. <laughs> yeah. It's the most ridiculous timing. Um, but then very shortly after that, in classic Hallmark fashion, these misunderstandings never last longer than 90 seconds. No. Ma- Maggie and Kate run into each other and Maggie's like, I'm so happy. Aren't you so happy? Kevin isn't leaving. Right. Um, and, and at that point, uh, hasn't like Kate has <laughs> gone back to the house and is packing. <laughs> She, yes she's, she's like gonna, i'm out of here she's today. leaving like i'm gone yeah christmas eve <laughs> yeah out of here um, um so then <laughs> i think is it at that point where um kate goes to the museum and she's like mr McAllister, i need your help yes i wonder yeah. what that's for well, i wonder indeed kevin meanwhile has decided that he's in, he's not going to take that job he's, he's basically not. going to invent habitat for humanity <laughs> he's going to build houses for poor people I, I hope nobody has broken it to him they're just going to let him set all this up yeah and then habitat comes along and they're like you know we've got a local office right there in cedar falls or wherever the fuck you are aim high kevin yeah aim high um so this is also the point where dad accidentally spills the beans that he and maggie are the ones who've been leaving these manipulative clues all over town for kevin and kate which 
as it turned am i understanding correctly i debriefed about this with my pal that i watched this movie with that the purpose of the clues was not necessarily to get kevin and kate together romantically but to manipulate their fully grown son into not leaving their hometown because the same thing happened to maggie and dad when they were young oh i'm pretty sure that is true i'm pretty sure that dad or may and or maggie are like so and so did this for us when we were young and we fell in love with the town and decided never to leave so we did this for you that sounds about right it's a bit freaky i mean it's wrong but it's wrong it's, of course. it sounds correct it sounds correct yes yeah. um, um yeah i only have two notes left yeah um uh, same here uh mine is lol the parents did the puzzle yep um i think my only i i I will hand it i will hand this to them which is that i didn't really spend the movie thinking i wonder who this puzzle is being done but like i just didn't care really yeah totally i just just assumed it was probably liz because she's seems like the kind of thing she would do i also assumed it was liz yeah or maybe jackson yeah or maybe like basically the only other people who aren't the the lead couple i'm like well maybe it's it's probably not like the ortho department lead but maybe it's like jackson or liz or the parents could be any of those people so she shows up i think she shows up in the sleigh and um they finally talk they finally talk to each other finally at least neither of them proposes like oh god this, no this kidding. is a grand gesture but like at least they're not engaged after five days right i don't know yeah i mean it's it is a grand gesture but it's also kind of consistent with everything else they've done for the puzzle yeah you know what i mean like it's just like here's a personal fun thing you did personal fun things for me for christmas here's one for you kind of thing. yeah it's not like so outlandish yeah it's it's like a really good date. It's not not even an engagement. It's just like, you know, a horse drawn sleigh is a very cute, fun date. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's it's a, one might say it's almost an even appropriate place for their relationship to proceed. An unusual uh, observation in a movie such as this, but I think an apt one. Yeah, I think so too. Like it's, you know, how in a lot of these movies, it's like they go from like zero to sixty. Yeah. In a in a tight ninety, <laughs> and yeah, and here exactly. It's like, here it's more like zero to thirty. You're like, well, okay. Yeah. They'll probably have some more dates, and that's a reasonable see, pace. I will see what the say, sexual chemistry is like. I'm guessing not great. And I will say that the only the only piece of that I would disagree with is the part where both of them turn down jobs in order to stay in the town with each other. Yeah, like, I don't get, especially with her, like, he's essentially a very specialized, like, he can, he can work for a military contractor, he can do a lot of things with his experience, and I'm sure, sure. I expect he will. Um, she is an orthopedic surgeon resident, so... But at least one. Yeah, if it's not too much trouble, maybe she would like to illuminate all of this nonsense for us, but... 
I mean, I did recommend this movie as a, an entry for her current uh, Twitter rants. So I feel like there will be some crossover between if she comments on this movie and our podcast. So perfect. Well, she looking she looking forward that she to wants that. To share on Twitter, I'm, I would be all ears. So Scott, I am curious if you clocked any homoerotic tension or places for potential. Boy, not much. Eh? It's, it's an awful straight movie. I uh, thought Jackson could maybe be bi. Yeah. But he, we don't really get... His, he and his wife both, uh, as is often the case with supportive characters, they just seem mm. like kind of more fun. They've got a more fun energy. Same with Liz, yeah. for that matter. Yeah, totally. Um, but like the two leads are just like so super straight and boring. So straight. Um, I think that Jackson is bi. I really wanted Liz to be queer in some way, but I just didn't get that vibe from her. Because she's, like, fun and likable. And I was like, oh, it would be fun and cute if she was also queer. But it doesn't. Like, we're just not. We don't spend enough time with these side characters. I could see Kevin's parents being super weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, they've got a dungeon built in that that hardware store. (laughs) That's why they don't want Kevin to take over, by the way. (laughs) He's like, when I take over, do I finally get the key to to that basement room? And they're, they're like, like no. fuck no. No, sorry. They're like, we're, we're they're like, That's we fill a... that in with concrete before we give yeah. you a key. Yeah, you're never getting that magical key, son. <laughs> Good one. I also don't know that a triad would have solved anything. I don't think non-monogamy. Oh, no, I was can't the imagine how. For it's any not other... even really like most of this movie isn't really even. And and I'm realizing the answer now as I say it. It's not mm. a typical romance plot. It's a mystery plot because it's from yeah. the Hallmark mystery side of their shop. Yeah. It's, it's not part of the romance side. I noticed that logo kept popping up in the corner yeah. when yeah. I was watching it. It said brought to you by Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And I was like, yeah. oh, mystery. Yeah, it's on the mystery side, which is, is not as big as the romance side, but it is substantial and her show ruby herring is from the mystery side as well oh okay okay well scott i think that we have talked about this movie possibly in a tight 90 wow which like obviously the the finished episode will be much shorter but our conversation tonight has been a tight 90 so yeah yeah I, i don't know about you but i found this movie to be pretty I mean, not agreeable in terms of its ideas, God knows, but but just agreeable in terms of the experience of watching it. It's very, you just kind of, maybe because of the checklist plot, you just kind of drift along and you're like, oh, I wonder what the next puzzle is. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it won't be too challenging. Yeah. <laughs> which, which it certainly is not. Whatever so. it is, it's probably not going to like make my heart rate uh, change in any way. No. I'm sure we'll figure it out based on some flashback I suddenly have. Seems likely. Yeah. Yeah, this movie just sort of like it was it was fine. It didn't like offend me in any you know significant way. It just sort of was um um okay, oh, well, we did it. Thanks yeah. for listening everyone to this like, you know, relatively unoffensive 84 minute journey. Yep. Join us tomorrow on Christmas Eve, baby. (laughs) Bye, everyone. See ya.
You have been listening to Season 1, Episode 23 of A Podcast in a Queer Tree by Nicole Marcoux and Scott Marshall. Visit apodcastinaqueertree.com for this episode's links, plus our social media and a link to our Patreon. Don't forget to play bingo along with us when you're watching holiday movies. You can find the cards at hallmarkmoviebingo.com. Our theme music is by an allosaur and a hadrosaur. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow. But whatever you do, we love you. Happy holidays.